Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith. And I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Okay, go ahead. Uh, uh, let's welcome Evan up to the stage. All right, sir. Doing well? I'm doing, doing well, then? Doing well. Is that check. all? Good. Check, yeah. check. One, two. We want to do a duo here. Honestly, don't really need it. Hey. <laughs> Everybody tells me Americans are very loud. Absolutely. So. I warned them. I was like, listen, if you keep doing that, you're living up to the stereotype. Because I don't know if you've heard every morning, I, um, the last few mornings, I've heard this weird noise. And I, I, was, you know, I don't really know Evan that well, if I'm honest. Um, I'm still trying to figure him out. But I was told by a friend, Luke Brenling, that he was the real deal, so I trusted him. And then Evan would wake up and he'd start going <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sure you need to be staying in my house. <laughs> there might be a place down the road I know of that might be a better fit. And it's got locks on the doors. So, um, and then I found out that that's how he warms his vocal cords up and all that jazz. So I'll, I'll just, I'll read this scripture out first. Let's do it. Um, it's gonna be in the screen. So the kind of message title, today is powerful people learn to be content and and we'll put that verse up in philippines 4 verses 11 to 13 i feel like i'm in the way is it there there we go so this is paul speaking he says in philip in philippines he says i'm not saying this because i'm in need for i have learned to be content whatever the circumstances i know what it is to be in need and i know what it is to have plenty I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living, living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And as we brought Evan into the schools this week, it actually, I just sensed this was on his heart and what God had been speaking to him about. So, so, so we'll, we'll first ask a few just general questions. Sure. And, uh, get the, old, the old interview, the old, <laughs> the old get to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll get to know you, and then we'll, we'll, we'll hit this up a wee bit harder um, at the end. So, first off, Evan, where are you from? So, obviously, I'm from the States. I think that much should be clear. Uh, I grew up in the state of Virginia, which is over on the East Coast. That was pretty much the first place that America was, was founded. So, um, I've actually been telling a lot, of the, a lot of the people here I've been spending time with that uh, the state that I grew up in is probably the most similar to here in Northern Ireland of anywhere in the States uh, because there's, there's a lot of uh, European and, and British influence uh, in the way the city is built. Uh, the city I grew up in, in Richmond, is probably the only place in America where the roads are as skin, skinny as they are here. <laughs> I will say, though, you don't have to pull off to the side for somebody to go by. They're not that skinny at home. But, um, but I, so I grew up in, in Richmond, which is um, amazingly... It, my city, Richmond, is about the same population. Mm. It's actually the exact same population as uh, the country of Northern Ireland, which that's bananas to me. Um, but it's an amazing city, amazing culture. Uh, it's actually quite cold. The temperature it is today is pretty typical of the temperature where I grew up in. So I think that's part of why being here feels very much mm. like home. We're a coffee, a coffee city where I grew up and a food city. Um, and so it's very, it's very similar. And so, um, wh where are you living right now in the States? Oh, boy. Where I live now is, 
so different from where I grew up. Dylan's laughing because he's heard me talk about it all week. Uh, but I live in Texas now. Texas. I live in Texas now. Hey, y'all. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Texas in the movies in a whole lot, but Texas is flipping huge. Huge. If Texas were a country, and they very much want to be, uh, it would be, gosh, one of the 30 largest countries in the world. If it were a country, you could probably fit the whole of the islands here inside of it at least one time. Um, we, I went up to a church conference in, in Dallas, which is basically the next city up from me. And it was about a seven-hour drive. Me and my friends were having to take turns at the wheel because we were falling asleep. Uh, and so Texas is very hot in pretty much every way. It's quite the opposite of here, quite the opposite of Virginia where I grew up. It's very hot. Uh, it's not quite as cool. It's very simple. The people are very simple and very big. Uh, <laughs> I, Dylan's laughing again because I've been telling him all week where I live now is a bunch of fatties. So <laughs> they love to eat. They love to eat, and they're, they're trying to take me with them, but my body keeps saying no. Uh, but, it, but, but, but Texas, all, all jokes aside, uh, by the way, I would say all of that right to them. They would think it's hilarious. Um, but Texas is amazing people. I think I was also telling some of you this week that um, while it may not be quite as cultural or quite as, you know, pretty, the people in Texas are the kindest people that I've ever met in my whole life. The, the culture there is incredibly warm incredibly hospitable and incredibly kind and and everyone is in church and so it's a very great place excellent excellent so we didn't promote this too much because evan kind of put the brakes on and i was accelerator but but evan's actually been um in the voice in the in the usa 2015 i was ready i had the, had the video already made of him on the voice like let's go tell the whole of, of the country um but, but he was very humble in a way. He says, like, I prefer it kind of not be too much about that. Uh, and it can become a distraction because people come to see a person rather than encounter Jesus. And so it's, it's just a tension that we've got to manage um, that I really struggle with. Thanks, Evan. Um, but, but, but tell us a wee bit about that story, about the voice, how, how that happened. He actually got to the last 11 and was coached by Pharrell Williams. You know that song? We're so happy. Yeah. Da, da, da. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I'm one of those guys, I only know three, three words to every song, and that's it. And it's usually not the right three yeah, words. Yeah. <laughs> I, the song I sang at the school, <laughs> Phil is just learning it. Well, he's still learning it. He's been walking around the house all week singing, I always will. But I'm like, those are not the words. Yeah, <laughs> I like, think I'm a writer. You're so close, that. mate. You're getting close. <laughs> so go ahead, tell us the story. Sure. Obviously, um, I've been singing really my whole life. As soon as I was able to talk, I started singing. It just started happening. I think it's amazing. If, if, God, if God gives you with something, there's no stopping it. There's, there's no asking for it. It's just there, and all of you have a gift that same way. Yeah. Uh, and I think we should use them. I was just telling Tegan earlier. God's given you that gift. Use it. Um, be proud of it. Own it. Come on, Tegan. But, um, come on, Tegan. McCorm McCormick. <laughs> McCormick. But... Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been singing my whole life, and actually for, for quite a while, for most of my youth, I was very enthralled with um, being a career musician, being in the music industry, especially in the States with cities like New York and Los Angeles and, and Nashville, Tennessee. Um, it's, it's very, quite a lot of young people have a dream of having their CD in the store, 
and being on stage where people see them. And especially, I grew up, most of my creative heroes, most of the people I looked up to were famous music artists like Stevie Wonder or different people that I listened to. And I just wanted to be like them. I wanted to make music and kind of get up on stage in the spotlight like them. And so uh, I was playing music all over my state of Virginia, which is long driving to performances. And uh, I was just working hard to pursue that dream when I was about 18 or 19 years old. And I think uh, even if there's not a direct tie, I believe that God blesses hard work. I believe that he opens doors when, when he sees you putting in effort. He doesn't yeah. just want to hand you something. He wants to see that you are doing something yeah, yeah, yeah. While, while also having faith in him. And so he opened up this opportunity randomly. Someone, uh, someone that works for the network NBC that does The Voice saw a video of me online and asked me. I got an email randomly. I was like, Mom, Dad, I just got this email. It says it's from The Voice. I, I think it's a scam. I was like, there's no way this is real. I think this is a joke. Um, and the email, you know, had the little logo and everything. It looked all legit. The email was an NBC email, and it said, are, are you serious? I'm like, is this real? Is this a real person I'm talking to? They're like, yeah, we really want you to come be on the show. And I said, well, you know, I, I'm not really interested in going and standing in line with 40,000 people for three days because that's what people do to go audition. She, and uh, this is what favor from God looks like. Uh, she said, well, no, we actually... We're going to have you come out to a private audition. There's only going to be 30 of you, uh, about an hour north of your city. And uh, we're going to make it easy for you to say yes. Um, that was just God. God making it very clear yeah. he wanted me to go. And so long story short, I mean, obviously you never really plan that you're going to do something like that. You, this is a good example that you never really know what God is going to thrust you into. Sometimes he'll throw you into something you're not ready for. And it'll grow you because the, the pressure is kind of healthy. Um, so I, I actually was involved in the show for almost two years. I was there in 2014 um, for a season, preparing to be on TV and sing in front of the coaches. And the day that I was supposed to sing ended up falling on my twin sister's wedding day, which I kind of had to have faith that God would still come through. I had to pull out of the show. And then they called me back for the next season. Then I went and did, and did the whole thing. And it was a wild experience, I got to tell you. Uh, Los Angeles is the craziest place. I've ever been. There's so many millions of people, and it's just so congested. You'll sit on the highway for three hours waiting for it to move. Um, but it was, it was great fun. And honestly, I was telling Phil this, and I'm, I'm only really just learning this about four years after that experience in processing. But I think being on TV, having tens of thousands of people all watching you all over social media and knowing things about you without you telling them, um, it changes your perspective. It took me from that young kid that wanted to be on that stage and in that industry and have that kind of fame and attention. It really showed me that it comes with a lot of things you don't want also. It, sometimes the thing that you want is not what God knows is the best thing for you, but sometimes he lets you try it so that you'll find out for yourself. And so that's what happened for me. I found out that that kind of attention, that kind of fame and notoriety is not what it's cracked up to be. You lose privacy, and, your, and people that you've known a long time treat you very differently, start wanting things from you, start trying to use your, the attention for themselves, and you find out who is really your friend and who isn't really your friend, to be honest. Um, and I actually, I, I grew up in ministry in the church, doing worship like I do now, and I left all of that to go try The Voice for a couple years, and 
it only reaffirmed that God needed me to be in the church and needed me to be in ministry. But I think I needed to go beyond the voice before I could do ministry because the voice killed my desire for it to be about me. So going, leaving ministry to go beyond the voice actually prepared me for greater ministry in God's house because now I, I, don't, I don't want it to be about me. I saw what that was like. It was yeah. very strange and uncomfortable. So I feel like God really used it in an amazing way. That's amazing. So, so where are you? Where are you now? Uh, what are you doing in Texas? What am I doing in Texas? So I'm I'm a worship leader at a church in Texas called Church Unlimited. It's about a 20 year old church, and we uh, we probably have about 15,000 people. Um, by the way, that's the direction this church is heading in. Come on. I was telling some of the team here. It can be hard to see this at the beginning. I, I know Phil sees it because Phil has seen it before. I know what his vision for this church is. And I was telling Dylan this morning, to see a church this young have this level of excellence, this level of development, this level of leadership at this age. I've been a part of church plants that started from 20 people in a living room. And the, the last one that I worked at is two and a half years old, and you guys are beyond. And this is a church in my hometown in the States. I just want to encourage you with that. This, this church is going to have such an enormous impact on this country. This church is going to birth other churches that have enormous yeah, impact yeah, on this country. Just be encouraged that you guys are doing an unbelievable job and you're far beyond e- even what I thought coming here. I'm, I'm very, very amazed by that. But uh, the church I'm at is an unbelievable church. It's sort of the, the, if you took R8 and kind of looked into the future, I think you see something like where I am now. Preach. Um, <laughs> Preach, preacher, preach, preach, preacher. Can we Bring record it, that and put it on the loop? And <laughs> we can make a song out of that. Phil, Phil's going to take the audio clip of me saying that, <laughs> and he's going to go to the gym on the treadmill, on, on the runner, and he's just going to put it in his ears, we're going to be 15,000, we're going to be 15,000. <laughs> I believe. He's going to get turned up all the way. Yeah. Right, I, I want us to share this next before I ask you the next question. Has anything, obviously you had an idea of what Irish humor was when you came here. Um, has anything maybe happened to you along the way that maybe was a definition of what Irish humor looks like to you? Most definitely. Um, quite a few. Well, first of all, it, I, this is all me, and, me and, and my new friends here and all you young people. This is all we've talked about this week is just the funny little differences between the states and between here. And I think you kind of think, oh, like, I'm Irish American, so I kind of get it. You know, you don't. And then, and then you think, oh, well, we speak, we, we speak the same language. I've been to countries where I had to learn a little bit of a new language to even communicate. You think, oh, we all speak English, so it, it's the same, you know? It's the same. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same, uh, but it's, it's brilliant. Um, for example, we were, we were having such a laugh <laughs> about this at a McDonald's the other day. First of all, the McDonald's are far nicer here than in the States. I need, Ameri- I need America to get on I- Ireland's, uh, Northern Ireland's level with McDonald's. We need to catch up. But um, one, one funny thing I noticed is we all use the same words, but they mean different things. <laughs> so like, I'm, I can't wrap my head around this. What I call a biscuit is a scone here. Hold on, this is crazy. But then what I call a biscuit is a scone here. What you call a biscuit is a cookie to me. But you guys also have a cookie. But what you call a cookie, I also call a cookie. But there's a difference between a biscuit and a cookie. But I would call all of them a cookie. That's so strange. Don't even get me started on the names for potatoes. You guys love your potatoes. I think I've had potatoes every, every meal. Tato. 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 Delicious. But you, what you call 
a crisp in America would be a chip, but what you call a chip to me would be a fry, but then here a fry is the whole breakfast? <laughs> That's, a fry is a whole meal? A fry is one, a one chip. I, I, I don't know. I can't wrap my head around it. Very good. Uh, but, but anyway, there was, a, there was a funny story Phil, Phil wanted me to tell that I've told a couple of you. It's very funny. Uh, Phil threw me on the train to go up to Belfast to see, see Maddie up, in, up at Queens. And I went to go get on the train. And so I got to stand up for it. Americans use their arms and body a whole lot when they tell stories. I can't not do it. Um, I went up to get on the train. And I walked up to the door, and I was confused because in, in the States, when you walk up to the, the door of the train, it, it just sees you, and it, and it opens, <laughs> and you get on, and it's great, and you, then you go. And then it's an eight-hour train ride where you want to go, not an hour. Um, so I went up to the door, and I got loaded with bags, and I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, maybe it's up here. No, 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 it must be one of those foot ones. Is it, is it weighted? Do I gotta... I'm, I'm like, I'm holding bags. I'm, I, weigh, I don't weigh very much. I don't understand. And so the, the gentleman working at the kiosk obviously sees me having a heck of a time. And he comes over. He's like, doing all right then? And I was like, oh, sir, I, I, how do I get in? I was like, I don't understand. I don't understand how to get the door to open. And he, 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 I see this famous little smile. This is my first experience with Irish humor, and I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> and he just says, he goes, oh, well, it's voice activated, you know. <laughs> I said, it is? I'm like, that's even cooler than a sensor. Like, like Northern Ireland is so cool. The McDonald's is nice, and the voice act. I'm like, is it really voice activated? He goes, yeah. Yeah. Just got to say, uh, door's open. Well, go ahead then, say it. And I was like, okay. And I go, door's open. And then he hits the button. <laughs> I go, door's open. He goes, and it opens up. And he goes, see, told you it works. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead in. And I was like, man, I just got had. <laughs> I was like, this guy just got me so good. Because in, in America, jokes are very obvious. We're, we're going to... It, you're gonna see it coming a mile away. It's very on the nose. He was so subtle. He was so straight. Like, is that how everyone is? I don't. How do you know when it's a joke? He was so serious. He was like, "Oh, it's voice activated." I'm like, "Oh, of course it is. That's, <laughs> duh. Doors open." Oh, that was good. He came back on the on the Saturday, the Friday night and told me I was I was oh, I loved it. I was like, yes. Anyhow. Right, um, um, a word time. He, he, see, he didn't, he didn't align himself with love. He did make a fool of me, right? <laughs> Come on, man, I'm new. <laughs> Anyhow, um, then I just want to finish off with, with kind of how you got here and, and maybe what your idea. So you went into the school, talked about thankfulness and what your idea of Ireland or Northern Ireland was when you came here um, and maybe what you've experienced other people saying to you, yeah. uh, and even how you got here, like wh why? Just a little bit of that yeah, yeah. Ireland story. Yeah. So um, it's funny, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still kind of, I'm still noticing moments from my childhood and my, my youth and my teen years that were God kind of putting it on my heart to be here more and more, but it, it always was. 
I like the verse that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I don't believe that means that he fulfills the desires of your heart. I don't mean, I don't think that means, I think we hear that the wrong way sometimes. I think we hear that verse and think, oh, if I spend time with God, he'll give me what I want. No, I believe that if you spend time with God, he'll dictate what you want. When you spend time with God, he shows you what you should want. Yeah. That's what that verse means to me. And from a very young age, I, I got saved when I was five, um, truly, and understood what I was doing. Um, and then began a relationship with God and was very aligned with God and I delighted in God and I believe that from a very young age, he gave me the desires in my heart and started to make me think about the things he wanted me to think about and care about the things he wanted me to care about. Um, so my family ancestry is pretty much 100% Irish. McKeel is my last name, of course. My father's wedding rings, a clatta word. We, there's a lot of those traditions that are a part of my family. My mom would cook, you know, some of the food. I didn't, we didn't know it was called a fry, but I think we ate fries growing up, just didn't know it had a name. Um, and so uh, from, a, from a young age, I, I grew up in a, a church where the, the focus was international missions, uh, other countries especially. I think my church that I grew up, their mindset was kind of, we got so much church in America, let's go and serve physical needs in countries that have physical needs, and let's go serve spiritual needs in countries that maybe haven't seen the church grow quite this way. And so that's been on my heart from a very young age to, to be in many different countries and, and serve outside of the U.S. Most people there are very comfortable, but a lot of us uh, in my church were encouraged to go. And uh, so that was always on my heart. I, I started leading worship when I was about 12 and singing. I was always singing in the church. Always loved ministry, always loved other countries, and just always knew that we were an Irish family. There's a theme park near my hometown we go to that's actually themed to Europe, every part of the theme park is a different country, and we used to go run around the Ireland section, which looks exactly like Temple Bar in Dublin, it's, it look, it's splitting image, and they play music and everything, and everybody talked in the dialect, so we kind of got to see a, a version, an emulated version of culture, um, and so there's always kind of a, pr a proud, proudness for me, a pride mm. in being from Ireland, having Irish blood, we just, that's what my parents would tell us, um, so I was always very fascinated by Irish people, Irish culture, Irish everything. And when I was about, so keeping that in mind, when I was about 14 and I had just started serving as a young leader in ministry, I was actually leading worship for the, the kids my own age in our, in our student service. And I remember randomly, sometimes God throws you a life calling or a crazy vision in the most ordinary moment. Sometimes there's not a big light from heaven shining down on the sword and the stone. There's a it's an ordinary moment. I just went to go check my email one day. And on the front page of the website where I went to go look at my email, and this might not be super easy to hear, but it was just an article that, said, that was about the church decreasing in size and decreasing in attendance in, in Ireland. And about how, uh, I think the, the article is namely about the Southern, the Republic of Ireland. Um, but either way, it got my attention immediately because I was so in love with the culture and knew so much about it. And um, I remember reading this article talking about how um, there's this amazing tradition of the church in these countries. But it, it, is, it is different than it used to be. And there's need. And it just pricked my heart. And I, I truly believe God spoke to me right that second that you're going to go do something about it. 
So if we pick up there, so you felt called to come to this island, um, but then there was a there was a process to that dream or or that seed uh, that God had planted in your heart. You were drawn to, uh, and talk a bit a little bit about striving yeah. versus striding, uh, walking with God in His time, right, uh, and being content. Yeah, it, it lines up perfectly with what Phil and I have been talking about all week, and what we want to kind of speak on today, just for a moment, but. I'm the accelerator too, like Phil is. My, my biggest sin is probably a, a lack of trust, and so I'll go ahead of God. I think the re- the, if I dug really deep to the root and found the reason that I think I try and do stuff and not wait for God is that I'm afraid he's not going to do it. Yeah. I think that if I'm being honest, there's a fear in me that says, I think if I wait on God, I'm going to be disappointed. He, he might not do what I want. It, I'm afraid that what he calls his best for me isn't going to be as good as I hope. And so I try and make my own way, and it never works. His way always ends up being better. Anyway, so I'm 14 years old. I read this article, punches me in the gut. We were telling my parents, like, Mom, Dad, I thought we had church like ours everywhere. And they're like, well, they do some, but it's it's probably not as as much developed as it is here. And I just remember kind of an obsession and a a fire was lit in me for these countries here Mm. and seeing God's movement happen here, Mm. seeing the church grow here see people come to have a relationship with God here. This really became something on my heart. Probably about 10 years ago, I was in a Bible study with about five or six kids, my best friend, my sister, a few people, and we made these prayer bookmarks. And on one side, you're supposed to put a friend's name. The other side, you're supposed to write a country to pray for. And so I put my best friend Carlton's name on one side, and I drew the other side green and wrote Ireland. And uh, that bookmark's been in my, I've been using that as my bookmark for the last nine or 10 years and praying so, for, so you, for both of those. So you've kind of been, ever since that point, you've been trying to get here? Oh, absolutely. Um, when I was 15 or 16, I was trying to find missions trips. They, they don't really happen from the States very often. When I was 17 and I was about to graduate high school, I went to my missions pastor. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be moving to Ireland as soon as I graduate. And I, I'm going to need you to help me figure that out. I, I was trying so hard to, to rush this vision from God to make it happen immediately. I had no idea. It wouldn't be a good idea for such a young person single, no family, to just move across the world, had no idea, and so I'm, I'm a very assertive, aggressive go-getter, uh, very American way, and so I would just find a couple that had announced, I just Google it online and, and search for a couple or somebody that was coming here to start a church and just ask if I could go with them <laughs> and offer, hey, you need a worship leader? I'll go. Take, take me with you. Do you have a, a room in your house? I literally, I, I was tunnel vision for getting here, and it would be frustrated be frustrating. I think a lot of the patience that I've learned from about 18 years old, 17 years old to now has been because of trying to come here. And, and because I've knocked on so many doors rather than waiting for God to just kind of so, open it up and push so you through. So you would say this is probably your first door that's been like very graceful and just kind of... This was the first time someone came to me and said, hey, I want to connect you with someone in Ireland because I know it's on your heart. Every other time it had been me trying to make it happen. I think Whoa. God... God knows that you'll notice how much he loves you more if he's the one to do it. Mm. If I do it, who do I have to point to? If, if it was me, if all that trying for me had happened, I would have been like, I got myself to Ireland. Which, that, that's Luke Brenning's brother uh, who, who was at our launch, works at, mm-hmm. works at his Luke, church. Luke Brenling's brother, Marcus, I would call him Pastor Marcus because we always, go, yeah, yeah, we always yeah. put the title at the front. But uh, Pastor Marcus Brenling, also from Britain, he's actually, he's my boss. He's my my direct 
pastor that I report to and work mm. with every day. So there's well. a connection there. Marcus has heard me talk about Ireland nonstop. So as soon as Luke came and spoke here with you, Marcus came and told me. He's like, hey, he's like, I might, my, my brother. He's like, my brother's speaking at, I'm not going to do it. He's like, my brother's speaking at this church, and, and so, I want to connect you. And so the beautiful thing about that is it wasn't forced. I trust Luke. You trust Marcus. Right. The and, people we know. And, and what happens is it's, it's, kinda happened. It's, it's graceful. God opens the door, and, and no man can stop what God wants to do. And it aligns with a vision that you've had for your life uh, for many, many years. And the cool thing is, you just yesterday, I don't know if you want to share but, but you felt like God was speaking to you even just as you woke up yesterday and you'd done your devotional? Yeah, it was, it was Friday, actually. I realized, I, I had still done my reading, but I realized Friday that I hadn't really sat down and just listened for God. I, I was just kind of feeling like, man, you know, I've been waiting 10 years to come here, and I don't think God just brought me here for no reason. I want to listen to how he might be speaking, what he might be preparing me for. And so I just sat down. And I, I was worshiping for a little while. Phil's been singing the songs ever since then. It's got stuck in his head. And I said, God, you know, what are you doing right now? What, it, what is it that you want me to see while I'm here? What is it that you want me to hear? What is it you're saying? And he, was, and he basically just said, you know, exactly like you've always thought, I'm preparing you to come here. I've been preparing you to come here for a very long time. And this, where you are right now is right. Where you, how you feel is right. And it might take a little bit longer to actually have that kind of transition and, and move kind of happen. But you being here this week is me beginning the process Whoa. of fulfilling a vision I've given you a very long time ago. So, so good. isn't that cool? God, God will give you a vision, and he asks you to carry it before you get to take action on it. Mm. Way Joseph in the Bible yeah. in Genesis had a vision that he was going to be a, a leader and a ruler. And he did what I did. He started telling everybody about it, trying to make it happen, and they didn't yeah, like it. Yeah. But he had to wait 13 14 years to see the vision God had given yeah. him come true. So if God's given you a powerful vision or something you think you're going to do, hold it tight. Don't let go of it, but wait for God to yeah, bring it in his so time. Good. And so we'll have you back here in about two weeks then, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> that room's yours. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, free place to stay makes it easier. All right, hotel. <laughs> right. I'm going to call the, the worship team back up. Great. Um, and you would just take these chairs. And we're going to transition into a time of worship. Um, and I'm just going to, I just want to, we're going to move into a response time. But it, it was funny, um, and Evan could have said this, but time was kind of passing us by. Uh, and as Evan went into the schools this week, he was, he was so intrigued by just his experience so far in the country because everyone was saying, you're from America? I want to go to America. I wish I lived there. I wish I was brought up there. And Evan's come and saying, what? I've been saying the exact same thing about Northern Ireland. As I was growing up at your age, I've been dreaming about being on the Emerald Island. I've been dreaming about doing the work of God there. God put something in my heart. And, and so I think the danger is, and I've always felt this, and I get it, I understand it, because you think of holidays, sun, all that kind of stuff, and you just think it's going to be better. But, but the problem is you're not on holidays when you're there. Uh, and I've lived in Florida myself for two years. And we just talked about con being content. And he actually spoke in the school just about, and he actually sang a song called Thankful. Uh, and I just kind of talked about how so often we're looking for the next best thing. We're looking into this future. 
We're looking into the idea of the future or the idea of what that could become or that relationship or that friendship or that job that you might want. But the problem is that robs us from the present. It robs us from being content and thankful for just being where we are right now. So you're not actually living life. You're thinking about life in the future. And, and this is what I've learned personally as a person is that God is a creator, but so is fear. F fear creates things that never come into existence. Fear creates ideas. If I could just be there, if I could just be with that person, if I could just have this job, if I could just be this wealthy, if I could just have that car, if I could just have that, I would be happy. I would be content. And the problem is that you don't have any power in the present. And how you get power in the present is you, you thank, you, you become thankful for what you have right now. When God created, he created something in the present. God's presence is found right now. Not in the past, not in the future, right now. When you, you get before the Bible and, and pray, you're praying for God's presence to affect you right now, in the moment. Love is, is, is experienced in the, in the moment. In the present. God has given you everything that you need to be effective, to live a life on purpose, to see heaven come to earth right now, in the present. And this is what I believe. I don't care what country you're from. You see, this is the thing. What we preach has got to translate to every country, in every situation. If it's just, if it's determined by the economic situation in a country, it's not really the good news of the gospel because it doesn't translate. Amen. But the gospel of the, the good news of Christ is effective anywhere, any place. That, that means you can be content no matter what country you're in, no matter what family you came from, no matter who messed you up or messed you about. It doesn't matter. The kingdom of God it can be present in that situation too. The kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit, when it fell, you know what it, you know what it really means? You had the peace and the joy of the Holy Spirit in the now and so as people who follow Christ or if you're a follower of Christ your job your role is to bring heaven to earth right that doesn't matter what what town you're from it doesn't matter what school you go to it doesn't matter what job you're in you have the power to bring heaven to earth right where you are I hope you enjoyed the podcast today if you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariatchurch.org and give now. And we will see you next time on the Ariat Church podcast.